other things. But uh, hello, good night, good evening. Um, we are going through a series. John. Okay, yes, Isaac preached. What did he preach on? Spider-Man. Yes. And what did what did we gather from last week's sermon? It was the movie was Spider-Man, but what was his sermon about? Jesus. Anybody else? Jada? The three Peters. <laughs> I'm here for that answer. I'm here for the answer. I'm here for that answer. Quinny. Yes, wise friends. Remember the three Peters, how the other two were helping him out? Um, so this week, I'm going to be continuing our series on the next movie. Does anybody want a hint? Are you ready? This one's for Luke. Ka-chow! <laughs> it's on Cars. Cars the movie. Who have you, who out of you guys have watched the movie Cars? Raise your hand. Yes, literally everybody. Everybody has watched Cars. Okay. Cars came out, I've got a couple fun facts about Cars. Cars came out June 9th, 2006. It was that long ago. June 9th, 2006. It was basically all your prime childhood years. Maybe you guys weren't even born yet, but you guys caught up on the, when it came out on, what, DVD? 16 years ago. So if that ages you, 16 years ago, Cars came out. You were a little baby Krista, little Krista Crystal. <laughs> okay, okay. So if you had to pick a theme for the movie, what would, you, what would it be? Life is a highway. Life is a highway. <laughs> Friends? Yeah, that's a good one. Anybody else have any ideas on what you would name the theme of the movie? Kind of about the past? About being a bad person? Quitting being a bad person. Okay, Krista is in the kind of realm that I'm going tonight. Being humble. Ooh, Ellie, getting into some, getting into some stuff. Okay, um, I am going to be talking about selfish ambition tonight, which is everybody's favorite topic in youth group. Selfish ambition. Lightning McQueen's personality at the beginning of this movie, you could say he was pretty prideful. <laughs> yeah, literally, the movie starts off, that's what I'm saying, the movie starts off with these weird affirmations he's giving himself, which affirmations have become a normalized thing where we stand in the mirror and we say, you are beautiful. You are a good friend, and you keep going on with these affirmations. Yes. Yeah, like that video of that baby. You talking about the one with the baby? The one on the sink. Yeah, that one. Mm -hmm. Yes. But his affirmations were like a step too far. <laughs> they were, uh, they were pretty, pretty far. I mean, he literally calls himself speed. 
He says, one winner, 42 losers, I eat losers for breakfast. These are his affirmations to himself. Is that he's just like going on and on about how amazing he is and how he's the winner and everybody else sucks and how he's literally speed. Um, So the movie starts out. If you guys aren't familiar with Cars or it's been a hot minute since you've watched the movie, the movie starts off and he's a rookie and he's in this big race on like who's gonna win the Piston Cup. It's like this big race. And it kind of comes down to three guys. There's Lightning McQueen, there's this guy, the King, who's been there for like a long time, and there's this dude, Chick Hicks, which is like the worst. He's like the worst guy in the whole movie. He's the worst, he's got this mustache, he's terrible. Anyway, (laughs) I'm just saying, he's the worst. They have a really close race, and while they're waiting for results, McQueen is getting interviewed. So if you wanted to pull up the first clip, so this is happening, this scene happens while he's getting interviewed, and they're waiting for the results to see who won the race. Go ahead and play it. There's that guy with his stupid mustache. (laughs) Okay, 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 but that one's worst. Okay. So, basically, at this point in the movie, his pit crew chief guy had already walked out on him, and in this clip, he's like, I don't need you guys, get out of the shot, this is about me, and they're like, yeah, screw this, and they, they ditch, they quit. Um, the dude had dreams. It's not wrong to have dreams, right? But uh, he wanted to get himself there by himself. And I think that that's the difference. I mean, you look at the king, and the king's got this, like, big crew who's, like, behind him, and Lightning McQueen just wants to do it by himself. He even calls, like, he's the, he calls himself a one-man show, and that's what his, his uh, pit crew decides, I can't do this anymore because you are just a one-man show, and this is about teamwork, and he doesn't understand that. It was even so bad that in the next couple scenes when he goes to, um, when he goes on the road to go to the next event, it gets so bad that even his, his uh, what's it called, the, the guy, um, Harv, the agent, Arj, the agent's name is Harv and he's on the phone and Harv's like, hey, you got 20 free tickets that you can give your friends and he literally could not think of one single friend that he could give these tickets to. That's how one-man show oriented this guy was. So selfish ambition. What does that even mean? What does selfish ambition mean? It's kind of a churchy word, something that we've probably heard in the Bible, but we don't actually stop and think about what it actually means. You know, it's one of those words that you're like, oh yeah, let's just glaze past that and get to the stuff that we can actually think about. Does anybody have any ideas as to what selfish ambition means? You're selfish and you're ambitious. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Okay, so John, if you wanted to pull up Philippians 2, 3 through 4. Okay, yeah, okay. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. 
Don't look to your own interests, but take, can you please put that in the other version that I had up there? Okay, yeah, because that's the one that says selfish ambition. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. So just to kind of pull out the Christianese in that, um, I'm just gonna give you the Caitlin version because it might make a little bit more sense. So basically it's saying, don't do anything, don't do anything trying to get there by yourself. And when you get there, don't brag thinking that you got there by yourself. Get your mind off of yourself and think about others. So basically, in your life, if you think that you getting there by yourself is the answer, it's not the answer. And if you thinking that when you get there, whatever it is, whether you're successful or whether like, you know, whatever it is in your life, if you think that when you get there, that you got there by yourself, then you're wrong and you're, you're not thinking about the other people around you in your life. So if you struggle with selfish, selfish ambition, you probably wouldn't know it because selfishness is one of those things that you just, it's not an easy radar for us to understand that we have this issue because it is so selfish. Like the point is that you only look at yourself and so because of that you don't realize you have a problem because you don't understand the way that you act towards others affects them. So I got a little, uh, a little cue thing to kind of help you understand a little bit of signs that you might struggle with selfishness, signs that you might struggle with selfish ambition. So you might struggle with this if you can't talk to people who sh don't share your same interests. Like if somebody was really into knitting, and they're super into knitting, they're like huge knitting nerds, and you just do not know anything about knitting and you just cannot even talk to them because you're like, I just feel like we got nothing in common. You might be selfish if you can't talk to people who don't have the same interests as you. Does that make sense? Another one is that you have a hard time keeping consistent friends. And I know that that's kind of a, a hard topic to discuss because you guys have constant changing friendships, but if you can't keep the same friends consistently, or if you have the same friends, but you're constantly fighting with each other, you might be selfish. If you spend your time thinking about yourself or how others see you, you might be selfish. Like if your whole time is spent thinking about how others look at you, what others think of you, what others think of you academically or in your sports, if your time is focused on thinking what others think about you, or just thinking about yourself, you might be selfish. If you compare your test scores to feel good about yourself. If you look at other people's test scores and you're like, man, I'm doing better than them. Or if the, the tables turn and you get a bad grade and you put all your stock in that, you're like, oh man, I must really suck. You might be selfish. You might be selfish if you compare your test scores, your academic issues with other people. You might be selfish if you have a lot of drama in your life. If you have a lot of drama in your life, it means you're not looking at things from other people's perspectives. So if you have a lot of drama in your life, you may be selfish, I'm sorry, that's just the truth. If you use your gifts to get you a leg above others, 
Instead of using your gifts to help others become strong, you might be selfish. So say I'm really good at playing basketball, and it's, which I'm not, I'm terrible at basketball. I'm like one of my worst sports in the world. Yeah, I am too short, and also literally I just get hit in the head with a basketball all the time. But if I were to be good at basketball, if I were to use my strengths to get me to look really good and to be super successful in basketball, instead of using my gifts to help make my team strong, to help other people get good at their skill, people on my team trying to get them to, to do better and help them to gain in their ability, then I might be selfish because I'm only using my gifts to please myself instead of using it to serve the people around me. So you might be selfish if those are some things that you, that you deal with. Now I can't say that you, it's not like you can't be competitive. I'm not saying you like screw your own talents. Who cares about your talents? Like try to be really bad at sports. Try to be really bad academically. That's not what I'm saying. It's not, the Bible actually talks about competitiveness. And it does say that not all competitiveness is bad. Did you guys know that? That not all competitiveness is bad. <laughs> Um, Romans 12:10. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Did you know that you can be competitive in showing people honor? You can be competitive in lifting people up, in encouraging each other. You can be competitive in good things. It doesn't just have to be like trashy things. You can be competitive and say, Oh man, I am going to be so jazzed for Ellie because she's singing tonight. And I'm going to sing my best because she's up there and she sounds so good. And I'm going to encourage her in front of everybody on the microphone because she's amazing. And I'm going to talk about how good she is. And that's a way that we can encourage each other with brotherly affection and showing each other honor and outdoing one another in honor. Yeah, Ellie. Yeah, Ellie. Yeah, she rocks. <laughs> oh, well, um, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to duck. I'm not going to live there. It's a lot of canines out there. It's like a million canines. <laughs> okay, okay. So if something in your heart is turning on or something in your heart went, ugh, that hurts when I was saying any of those things, any of those things that you, that you could struggle with, it might be selfishness. I, if any of those things, were, you were like, oh, that hurts a little bit. I really want you guys to tune in tonight. Because the best thing you can do when someone says that you're being selfish, the best thing you can do is humble yourself and say, okay, yeah, I was being a little selfish. Okay, so now what? The best thing that you can do is to be really receptive. So, John, if you wanted to start getting ready the next clip. Oh, it is, okay. Well, I'm gonna set it up first. Okay, at this point in the movie, Lightning was on his way to his big three-way tiebreaker race. So the king, uh, Chick, whatever, Chick Hicks, and um, Lightning McQueen, got a three-way tie, and they're gonna go to a different city to have a tiebreaker race. So at this point in the movie, um, 
He was on his way to the race. Long story short, he wound up in this hick town, and he has to fix a mistake that he made in the road. And so he has to stay there until what he, what he did becomes undone, and he fixes the road. And so at this point, he's there, and he meets a guy named Doc Hudson, who ends up being the Hudson Hornet. And the Hudson Hornet um, was somebody who used to race, and he has three piston cups. He was like this really great race car, and Lightning McQueen knows that he is a famous race car, but nobody else in the town knows that he was. So at this point, Lightning finds out the big secret, and this is what their conversation looked like. Roll the video. Can you imagine being told, when's the last time you cared about something besides yourself? If it was that obvious and you think to yourself, I can't think of a time where I thought about anybody but myself. That's a pretty, uh, pretty hard thing to hear, I imagine. And, but he took it in. You saw him, he didn't defend himself. He didn't say, no, really, I'm great. I have lots of people who love me. Um, you could see that he has shipwrecked every relationship in his life at this point. Lightning McQueen is thinking about his life, and the movie doesn't, it's not clear about his life before this movie, but you do know this much, that he has literally nobody that he's close to. And it, it gives the appearance that he has just stepped on everybody that he can to get to the place that he's at. And it's instead, instead of him being happy because he's on the top, he ends up being miserable because he's alone at the top. Um, if you wanted to pull up James 3, 15 through 18 in the New Living, Okay, for jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. But wisdom from above is first of all pure. It is also peace-loving, gentle at all times, and willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap the harvest of righteousness. Um, I want you guys to, to take something, because sometimes when we think about selfishness, we don't, really, we don't really think it matters that much. Everybody's a little selfish, right? It's kind of the perspective that some of us have well, you know, I got to take care of myself. I got to look out for me. It's something I got to do for myself. I got to make sure that somebody stands up for me. Otherwise, what, what's, what? Otherwise nobody will, will see my side of the story. And we can tend to perpetuate this idea of talking about ourselves, trying to lift ourselves up, trying to make sure that we are heard, that our voice is heard. But this verse is very clear that... If we are being jealous or if we are being selfish, then that's demonic, which is a really powerful word. Like, that's something that you don't want to mess with, like letting demons into your life from being, from being selfish. 
Um, so if your life is chaotic, like if you are constantly having chaos in your relationships, whether it be with your parents or whether it be with your teachers or whether it be with your friendships, if you have a lot of chaos, a lot of drama in those relationships, it's demonic. It's something that you should take super seriously. And it's something that you shouldn't normalize or rationalize. It's not something that you should say, everybody my age is going through this. Everybody has relationships like this. This is just the way that it is. But that's not true. That's just not the way it has to be. You can have righteousness and you can have peace in your relationships. It's not hopeless. So if you have that chaos or that drama in your relationships, it's because of selfishness. It's because of selfishness. And to be honest, it's a two-way street. If somebody's acting selfishly, that does not mean that you have to be selfish back. It takes two to cause drama, right? It takes two. Somebody has to receive it as well as somebody giving it. So if somebody's giving drama to you and they're trying to perpetuate drama with you, you don't have to receive that. You don't have to let it well up inside of you. That's not something that you have to choose. You can choose to produce the fruit of righteousness and to produce the fruit of peace in your hearts in times of chaos. It's possible for you. So I wanted to go next to Romans 12, 1 through 18. And I don't know if I'm gonna read all this. What time we got, 7.35? I think I got time. This is really, really solid. So I want you guys to kind of really soak this in. Okay. And so, dear brothers and sisters, meaning you guys, I plead with you to give your bodies to God, meaning not like weirdly, but like give your bodies as in like, give him your service. Give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. And let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. Meaning like, don't just do it halfway. Don't like say that you love him, but then not actually love him. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy, okay, listen up. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. Like don't be just like everybody else but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which who doesn't want to know God's will for our lives? Then you will know God's will for you, which is good. So his will for you is good and pleasing and perfect, which is so beautiful that we get to partner with him and find out his good, pleasing, and perfect will for our lives. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves. Measure yourselves by the faith God has given us. Just as our bodies have many parts, and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body, and we belong to each other, meaning we all have things that we're good at, and we're, our job is to use those gifts for one another, not for ourselves. Does that make sense? Thank you, John. 
In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, which means like say what God has on his heart, his timely word. If God has given you the gift to prophesy, then speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. And don't, don't be a jerk about it. Don't like hold it against them. <laughs> if you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take that responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it glad, glad, gladly. There. So, and I want to add on to that. If you have a gift or a dream in your heart or a vision that does not revolve around a love for people, like say I could think to myself, I really love preaching and God wants me to preach because I love preaching and he's told me that I'm gonna preach, so I'm gonna preach to the best of my ability, but that gift, that, that destiny, that thing in my heart that God's told me does not revolve around a love for people, then it is not a fully formed destiny. Does that make sense? So if the destiny, if the dream in your heart, if the reality that you see in your mind that you feel is from God does not revolve around a love for people, it is not a fully formed dream from God because God sees problems and he answers it with people. And so you're not just gonna do this thing because God loves you. That's a selfish dream. Joseph had a problem with that where he had a selfish dream and he had to get that out of him through a lot of time. But if your dreams do not revolve around a love of people, like eventually Joseph's dream revolved around a love for people, love for a nation, a love for his family. So if it doesn't do that, then it's either A, not from God, but most of the time it's just not a fully formed dream. And so maybe think it through. Don't just pretend to love others. I'm gonna keep going. Don't just pretend to love others, really love them. Hate what is wrong, hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, Lord I need that. Never be lazy, never. (laughs) But work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope, be patient in trouble, and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality, meaning like welcome people into your life, into your home, etc. Bless those who persecute you. Do not curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think that you know it all. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live at peace with everyone. All right, that's my big chunk. Um, And I wanted to put a special emphasis on the part where it says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. 
If you have ever tried to change the way that you are, but you just feel like you can't, I've been there. I mean, who here has tried to change the way that they are and it just does not work for them? It just does not work. That's the story of our lives, is us trying to be better, trying to do better, but just incapable of doing it. Um, Last week in my small group, I shared a story of me with my dad, and I wanted to share it to the group because, well, I think it's a good representation of, um, of this. So I remember being in middle school, and my dad smoked cigarettes, and I hated it. I hated it. It made me sick to my stomach. It made me feel like I could barf, and he used to do it all the time in the car. And one time, we were like at Walmart, and we had just driven to Walmart, and he was smoking, and I was absolutely livid with him. And I don't know why it hit me, because he has smoked my whole life, you guys. But for some reason, this day hit different. And I was livid with him for smoking. And... um. I just remember yelling at him till, you know when your voice is like cracking because you're yelling so hard and it hurts? It hurts your your throat to to yell because you're yelling so hard Seth does. (laughs) I'm just kidding. It was the accidental one. I just figured I'd call him out. Um, Have you ever, uh, guys ever yelled so hard at somebody that you're just hurting your voice but you can't stop yelling at them? Have you ever done that? I've done that. Literally none of you except Anna and Diana. Come on, don't lie, yo. Don't lie. If any of you girls have sisters, you've done that, okay? <laughs> it's always towards sisters. Anyway, I yelled at him so hard that my voice was cracking and hurting, and I was livid with him. And I remember yelling at him, and in the moment, I said, I know I'm being crazy, I know I'm being out of line. I know I'm gonna get punished for this, but I cannot help it, yo. I have to yell at him. Something in me broke that day, and I was like, I know I'm being crazy. I wish I could change what I'm doing right now, but the words are just spilling out of my mouth like crazy. And then after I got done yelling at him, I sat on one of those stupid cart caddy things where you put your carts in the thing. I sat on one of those on the bar like a really angsty teenage girl and was like, there. And I just cried for like a solid 30 minutes. That was me. That was my attempt to change myself, but I could not change what I was doing. And I knew I was being crazy, but I just could not change myself. I couldn't force myself to stop. Well, that is the way it is outside of God. If we try to change ourselves, it's literally impossible. It's just, it's just not possible. So I just wanted to bring it back to Philippians 2. It's 3 through 11. Okay. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. And don't look only to your own interests, but take, on, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had, 
For though he was God, and so we read the beginning of this at at the beginning, but I just wanted to circle back to it because I didn't read a little bit after that. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had, which is a big thing. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges and he took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself again in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. Therefore, God elevated him to a place of the highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under earth and every tongue declare that Christ Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is our standard. Have you ever tried to compare yourself to others and say, well, I'm not as bad as them? Well, I know that I'm a little selfish, but I'm not that selfish. You have somebody in your mind. This is our standard. And not just our standard, but this is our example. And this is the God that we serve, thank God. You know, it's impossible to duplicate Jesus' ministry, but it is not impossible to display the same attitude. The Bible is clear about that, that we can have, it's attainable, you guys, we can have the same attitude as Christ. And how do we do that? Well, let me remind you of the one right before it. It basically says that we have to allow God to transform our minds, meaning we have to spend time with him We have to spend time asking him about the problems that we face with our friends, with our family, with our person that we're interested in, with everybody around us. We have to give him a say. We have to say, what do you think about this? And then allow him to change our mind about, about people, about ourselves, about our lives. Because it's really easy for us because it's really for easy for us to think selfishly, and I want you guys to really listen into this. It's really easy for us to think selfishly, and a way that we do that is we say, I am the victim, and they are the bad guy, because they did this to me. And we use that as an excuse to be the bad guy. Do you hear me? It is very easy for us to say, they hurt me, I am the victim, and therefore I have the right to treat them like trash, to be the bad guy to them. And it perpetuates this thing back and forth and back and forth, and that's why it's chaos. That's why when I was talking about the chaos and the drama, that's why it feels like chaos, is because it's just back and forth. And that's why I say it takes two to have drama. Because if 
they do talk trash about you, if they do, you know, give you the cold shoulder in the, in the cafeteria, if they do, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, it takes you accepting that they have hurt you and accepting that they have the permission in your heart to victimize you. And that's not cool. You don't, you don't really want to be the victim, do you? I don't want to be the victim in my story. And you get to choose what part of your story you play. Because if you choose that they're the bad guy and you are the victim, then you have to wait for somebody to save you. You have to wait for somebody to make you better all the time. When that's not our story, I want to get my identity from God. I want to get my ability to overcome from God. I want to get somebody who has the say into my life be from God. Because when you do that, when you allow God to tell you who you are, when you allow God to tell you who other people are, that selfishness lifts and that joy that I talked about, that righteousness, that, that fruit of peace, that's where that starts to come. So I wanted to um, end it with Jesus, which is the best thing that we can do, right? Because he is our example. He is the one who is able to change our hearts and minds, which is incredible. But I wanted to talk about his ministry. And Jesus's ministry completely revolved around others. I mean, he is the king of kings. I mean, he did not step on people to get to where he wanted to be. He allowed people to do what, or say whatever they wanted. He could have played the victim. He could have played the victim from any of the people that we identify as bad guys in this story. But did you know that he sat down and ate and had communion with those bad guys? Did you know that he had compassion for those bad guys? Did you know that when he was on the cross being hung, he said, forgive them? Because he was led with compassion. Jesus' entire ministry revolved around people. Everything that he did was motivated by compassion. The Bible says he was motivated and moved by compassion. That's what moved him. That's what moved every miracle he ever did was through compassion. It wasn't through the idea in his mind of I wanna fulfill this thing. I, God's told me that I'm gonna be the king of kings. God's told me I've gonna, I'm gonna be this. That's not what he was moved by. He wasn't moved by his destiny. He was moved by love and compassion for people. That was his ministry. And he was never thrown by people's brokenness. How many times are we thrown by people's brokenness? How many times does that affect the way that we do our life? He wasn't thrown by people's brokenness because he had a love for people in their brokenness. He wasn't like, you should be better. I only want to see you here. He said, I see you here. And I think that that's what we need to move towards if we're Christians. We need to move away from, I'll only love you at your best because that's what you're called to and move towards, I love you in your brokenness because I see you. He didn't die because he knew that people would follow him. 
He didn't die because he knew people would get saved, although that's a really great thing to do. He died just for the chance that you might. Just for the chance. I mean, he died for us while we were still sinners. He didn't die being like, well, I know that calculating it in my mind, this many people will become Christians, which means that I think it's worth it. That's not, his, he didn't calculate like that. His love that he gave to us, the death that he gave to us was not logical. It just was not logical. The whole reason why he died was just at a chance to be united with us. Just a chance. So he loved people in their brokenness. So my challenge to you is this. Are you letting God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think? Are you allowing him to do his work? Because the Bible says that he is the author and he is the perfecter of our faith. It is not our job. It's not our job. It's his job. And so are we allowing him to perfect us? Are we allowing him to work on us? And that's the the selfishness. Are we allowing him to work on our selfishness? Um, In the last clip you're gonna see, we're gonna see the king get pushed off the racetrack and wreck, just like Doc did. So like in that like news clip with Doc being like, like that's exactly what happened to this dude, the king. And so we're gonna see what happens. It's probably good. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> perfect, perfect way to end it. Um, What a beautiful way to end that movie. I mean, the whole time he was selfish. He was trying to get to his goals, trying to reach towards whatever he thought was success through just himself. And in the end, he was just concerned with other people. And because of that, you saw how the crowd was not super happy at Chick Hicks, Chick Hicks, is that his name? I always forget his name. Yeah, nobody cared about that dude for a lot of reasons. But um, you saw that Lightning McQueen overcame. He overcame. He allowed himself to um, take in what Doc said and he allowed himself to be transformed and to change. He changed his mind. His mind was changed in the end, which is such a beautiful representation of what we can gather. And so I just want you guys to end tonight really having some searching in your hearts about where your priorities are and what your thoughts are. Are your thoughts towards yourself? Are they towards your own dreams? Are they towards your own thoughts? Are they towards how other people think about you and wanting to be the best at something? Or are they towards others? Because what's the point, I mean, people said it a million times, what's the point of getting to the top if you're by yourself? And if your life reflects that you just like to run people over, it's just not a good way to live. But there is hope, because obviously, like, God is the author and the perfecter of our faith. And so if we allow him to mold us and to change our minds, then we can change. I mean, Christianity revolves around this idea that we are not stuck, that we can change. 
And so it's just about submitting to what he, what his ideas and thoughts are for us. And so I just wanted to close it out. We're going to pray, and then we're going to start getting into some small groups and have um, every week, if you're new here, we do small group discussions. And so we're going to do some of those. So God, I just thank you so much for tonight. I thank you that, um, that you were so humble that you submitted to death on the cross, and you were the king of kings. You were there at the beginning of creation. You were there through our whole lives. You, you're literally, you're, you're, you're God. And you were so humble that you submitted to death on the cross. And just what a beautiful example that is to us of what's possible if we, if we follow in your stead. And that's what we want. We, we just want to follow in your stead. So God, I pray that you would teach us how to be like you, that you would teach us how to be like you, that you would teach us how to walk in humility. You would teach us what true peace looks like. God, if we, if we want peace, then we, we just need to follow you because you're the king of peace. The Bible says that you're the prince of peace and, and true peace is found in you, Jesus. And so God, I pray that our hearts would want you, that our hearts would want to be with you, that we would want to be humble because we, want, we just want to be like you. And we know that you know better than us because the Bible says that your ways are higher than our ways and your thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And we live in it. In there's a spiritual realm outside of earth that is completely upside down from earth. And when people are humble, that's when they're lifted up. When people think of others, that's when they're elevated. And so God, I just pray that... Um, that you would show us just keys to the kingdom, that you would teach us how to be more like you and how to be successful in life. In your name, amen. All right, if uh, all the leaders...